This is the Minister's Crucible. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening. Today, we're going to discuss ministry and women in the ministry. Yes, it may be a barnstormer, but we do have to address this issue because if we fail to put out the whole counsel of God, what we tend to do is cherry pick and uh, leave out scriptures that are the exception. And so we want to eliminate any possibility of leaving out the exceptions that you normally hear in most circles when uh, attempting to discuss this subject and put the whole counsel of God's scripture on the subject. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, beginning at verse 34, let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. Now, if you don't know what that reference that Paul is using, as the law also says, uh, remember, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy is considered the law of Moses. So there are some portions in Scripture, in particular in the book of Genesis, that does have a reference to the law. In fact, when you get your, your, your Sabbath from, it's from the book of Genesis. Now, when the Lord pronounced the punishment upon Eve, he said, he said to Eve that uh, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. That's Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16. So Paul is making a reference of women being submissive as far as their wife is concerned, submissive to their husband and the law that uh, Paul is quoting from is from the book of Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16. You may disagree with that, and that's your opinion. You are entitled to disagree with it. But this is the reference that Paul is using. Continuing in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Or did the word of God come originally from you? Or was it you that only that it reached if anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Then you have 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 18 through, uh, excuse me, verses 8 through 15. I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with hair braided or braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing. And the purpose of that is to bring attention to yourself but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but, it, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Now, there's no question of the uh, about the fact that Adam fell into transgression, but he didn't fall into transgression first. And that's the point that Paul was making, because the Lord, when he was pronouncing the punishment upon Adam for his transgression, he said, did you why did you listen or hearken to the woman? And so he pronounced that the ground will be cursed. And he also said uh, that by the sweat of your brow, you shall bring forth, uh, you shall labor. And then he also said that to dust 
you shall return. And, and so, uh, yes, Adam transgressed because God also told him, did you break the commandment that I told you? And so that you can find, of course, in Genesis chapter three. So uh, Adam was not in transgression first. Eve was. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love and holiness with self-control. Now, I had a problem with the uh, childbearing thing and the uh, Amplified Bible really opens up our hearts and our minds to this because it's not childbearing because you got to look at it from a logical perspective. If we can be saved, if women can be saved by childbearing, then all she has to do is give birth. And the next thing you know, she's saved. But see, that doesn't make any kind of sense. So if you listen to this out of the Amplified, then it will begin to make sense. And this is found in verse 15 of the Amplified Bible. Nevertheless, and then in parentheses, the sentence put upon woman of pain and motherhood does not hinder their soul's salvation, and they will be saved eternally if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-controlled, saved indeed through the childbearing or by the birth of the divine child. So now that makes kind of sense, doesn't it? And, and so going back to uh, reading more of the scriptures here in first uh, uh, Timothy uh, chapter three, he continues and says, uh, this is a faithful saying. Uh, if, a, if a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, given to, not given to wine, nor not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission and all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being uh, puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Now, when you read these qualifications, you will begin to see that it is pointed towards a man. Now, I know what, what is done in most circles. Most circles will, uh, uh, will switch it over and say, well, it could also mean for women, too. And that's not the point. In fact, you're really twisting the scriptures there because if the Lord had intended for women to be overseers, he would have put Paul would have been directed by the Holy Spirit to put not only men, but also women and list their qualifications. And so it would be a stretch to flip the genders in this because it just doesn't work. And, and and I know what a whole lot of people do, do and I've done it too. And then all of a sudden I, I saw myself violating Proverbs 30 and verse six. And he's, and that, and that verse of scripture says, do not add to his scriptures, lest you are found, lest he find you a liar. And so we don't see uh, a Paul uh, uh, giving qualifications for women. We see Paul giving qualifications for the, for an overseer to men. And, and so we have to be very careful with when we're doing when we're dealing with this. So uh, 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 going on now into qualification of deacons. 
Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double tongued, not given too much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives. Now we get into qualifications for the wives of the deacons. We'll get back into the qualifications of, of overseers as far as men is concerned in the moment. Uh, it says, likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderous, temperate, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husband of one wife. Notice that it did not say let the deacon or deaconess, if you want to use it that way, be the wife of one husband. It didn't it didn't swap the qualification. And so for individuals to, to do this, you're stretching the scriptures. You're you're adding a, a rubber to the scriptures. And we're not allowed to do that. Uh, and then it goes on to say, ruling their children and their own houses well. For those who have served well as deacons, obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now go back up into uh, uh, the, uh, the the beginnings of the of the third chapter of Timothy. And you will see that when uh, uh, the qualifications are given, it says that he is to be the husband of one wife. And, and so, uh, again, we see that these are qualifications that are designed for men that desire the office of a bishop. Again, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of of one wife. So can we see the order here? Now I know that it's unacceptable to some that are reading this and you're getting kind of emotional and that's and and that's a normal course, but take the emotion out of the equation and read the text of the scriptures. Because if we go back to the text of the scriptures, we see that that the apostle Paul is plain with this. And remember that he is also receiving this from the Lord. And so he is writing in terms of a command from the Lord. And, and so again, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. But we also know that Peter tells us that, that, uh, the scriptures were given by the spirit of God. No, no prophecy of scripture is of private interpretation. And so, uh, so the scriptures are given to the spirit of God. I mean, given by the spirit of God to man and is given to men to write these things. And so now we see plainly and clearly by these scriptures, what Paul actually meant by these things. Now let's, let's go on to another thing. And that's in Acts chapter 21 verses seven through 11. And this is very interesting. Again, we want to provide the whole counsel of God, because if we fail to provide the whole counsel of God, then leave out some things, then then it will appear to be a, a masculine kind of thing, as women would say, because you're, you're against women now. Well, let's look at the scriptures as far as what women are su supposed to be doing as far as the body of Christ is concerned. And then maybe we'll get a good understanding. Here in Acts chapter 21, verses 7 through 11, and when he had finished and when we had finished our voyage from Tyre, we came to Ptolemaeus, greeted the brethren and stayed with them one day. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with them. One of what seven? Now, if you go back to Acts chapter six, you will see that seven men were chosen to serve tables by the apostles. And they said they 
said, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit, full of faith and wisdom. And, and, and so he, Philip was one of the seven and he was an evangelist. Now, this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. Ah, now we get to see that it is permissible for women to prophesy because evidently, you know, being uh, uh, that this uh, Philip the evangelist had four uh, virgin daughters who prophesied, it seems uh, very clear that they were allowed to prophesy. And and it goes on and continues and says, and as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus uh, came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet and said, thus says the Holy Spirit. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, notice what's happening here. Uh, uh, Paul was with uh, Philip the Evangelist, who had four virgin daughters who prophesied. How come these four daughters didn't tell Paul what Agabus did? Because there is a difference between an individual that prophesies and an individual that stands in the office of the prophet. And, and so uh, Agabus was able to give Paul a word from the Holy Spirit directed specifically to Paul and the virgin daughters weren't because why? Because there's a difference between prophecy, prophecy, uh, as far as, uh, uh, first Corinthians chapter 14 and verse one, where it says that, uh, uh, you know, all may prophesy and that it, that, and that Paul also said that it is given unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. So that's the, that's the gift of prophecy uh, as far as prophesying is concerned, but as far as the office of the prophet, it is a ministry gift. It is a ministry gift given by Jesus Christ to the body. And so Agabus was a prophet. Uh, the four virgin daughters were not prophets, but they were able to prophesy, but they were only limited to uh, the way that this gift functions in the New Testament, as Paul specified in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that it is given unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. Notice that there is no forth telling or telling forth, however which way you want to go, in, in terms of those three definitions. And that's what a lot of people have a, 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 a real problem with, because they they believe that if a person prophesies then they stand in the office of the prophet. But that doesn't work that way, because a person that is called into ministry is first called to preach the gospel. And that is Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, that we are to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, Jesus said. And lo, I am with you always, even unto to the end of the age. And then you have Acts chapter four, uh, excuse me, uh, Ephesians chapter four and verse 11, where he gave some apostles, some prophets, some pastors, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So there is a difference and distinction. You may agree, you may disagree. That's all totally up to you. I'm just reading to you what the scriptures are saying as far as the differentiation between the office of the prophet and one who perhaps may receive as a gift from the Holy Spirit prophecy. 
And then you have Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, some of you may recall an incident in which Jesus was in the synagogue and a woman was bowed down being held or bound by Satan and and Jesus uh, ministered to her uh, uh, and and she was healed she was able to lift her up and the uh, obviously the Sanhedrin was upset because Jesus healed on the Sabbath day and the Lord Jesus asked the question how many of you guys loose your ox if they or, or, or donkey if they fall into a ditch or bring them or bring them to a place to get water on the Sabbath day and and, and and they say, and, and they were questioning that and then in their minds, obviously, but Jesus continued by saying, and shall not this daughter of Abraham be loosed on the Sabbath day? And so there is neither male nor female as far as a spirit man is concerned. As far as our physical man is concerned, there is a differentiation between that which is a male and that which is a female. But as far as our spirit man is concerned, we're all born again. And so we're considered as far as God is concerned in the spirit. We are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, of course, there, there are scriptures that, that say uh, things about uh, sons and daughters. And, and that's clear in the scriptures, which we will get to today. Again, we are about the whole counsel of God, aren't we? Uh, and so here in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10, we will find these scriptures. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to, da- to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was as lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went quick, went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring the bring his disciples word. Now, a lot of people will say, well, see, women were the first evangelists. Well, no, because, see, there is a difference between go and preach the gospel and go and tell my disciples that I'm alive. There's a big difference. Well, we say we say what kind of difference Aren't we supposed to preach that Christ is alive? Yes, that's part of it. But this is not a calling into the ministry. This is just an instruction of Jesus to go and tell the disciples that he is alive. So as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Now we go to Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 21. And this is a quote from Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. 
with the exception of what Peter says in terms of his words. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it came to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Now, can we see the pattern here that is that it is permitted for sons and daughters to prophesy? It says nothing about preaching the gospel. And that's the difference. Well, they, you you probably say, "Well, I disagree with that." Well, that's you're again you're entitled to that. But I'm just reading you do, reading to you what the scriptures are saying and how that consistency of scripture and harmony of scripture is necessary for the proper understanding of scripture. Young young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show you wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then we go to Acts chapter 18, verses 24 through 28. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born of Alexandria, and an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, and when Aquila... And Priscilla heard him. They took him aside. Notice this. They took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he had, for he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Now, remember what we read earlier from First Peter chapter two that um, women ought to be silent and that they are, and that they are not to teach men. But here we see a scripture of Aquila and Priscilla teaching Apollos a better way in the scriptures. And so, what's happening here? What's happening here is that this is not a service. This is just instruction apart from service, because evidently it wasn't during a church service that Aquila and Priscilla was trying to teach Apollos. No, they t the scripture says that they took him aside. That's what the scripture says. It says, and when Aquila and uh, rather when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside. So this wasn't a church service. This is this wasn't uh, Aquila and Priscilla pastoring. They were just giving Apollos instruction, changing him over from being eloquent in the scriptures regarding uh, the, uh, John the Baptist ministry to the gospel, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. So again, this is not a church service. This is just Aquila and Priscilla taking Apollos aside and showing him the gospel, which is a more excellent way. 
and then he was able to go and uh, Apollos and 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 refute the uh, the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. And then you have Romans chapter sixteen, verses three through sixteen, and I'm going to read it, and 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 I know I'm going to butcher some of these names, so uh, please forgive me if I'm butchering these names. I I'll, I'll try to articulate it as best as I can. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life. To whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Now, I've taught from this before, and I've said this before, and then again, I could be wrong. Uh, are, are Priscilla and Aquila pastors? Well, we don't know, uh, because they could have lent their house as a place, because it probably was a large venue, a large house to provide for church service. And it's their house, and so they they could very well say, "Well, we're the pastors," so but we don't know. So and 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 so there's a lot of latitude with that, and we have to be be very careful not to uh, dogmatically say, "Well, they were the pastors because that was their church, their house in their church. That was their church in their house." Well, let's back up back up a bit and say, "Well, it's a possibility," and and leave it at that. It's not dogmatic. Uh, again, um, uh, there's a lot of women in this uh, in Romans chapter six that Paul talks about, but but none of them are in any pastoral leadership. None of them are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And and so greet my beloved Epenetus, who is the first fruits of Achaia to Christ. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen and fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amplas, or Amplias, rather, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stachus, my beloved. Greet Apelles, approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my countrymen. Greet those who are of the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Trophena and Tryphosa, who have labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Persis, who labored much in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Greet Asniscritus, Philegon, Hermes, Patrobas, Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. Greet Philologus and Julia, Nerisus, or Nereus, I should say, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss, with a holy kiss the church of Christ greets you. I told you I was going to uh, pretty much uh, butcher these names. But these are some of the scriptures that we come across that that women are involved in the church, but not necessarily in pastoral ministry. We see that Paul lays out the qualifications for men and not for women in pastoral ministry. And so is it possible for women to come in and to teach? We see that it's possible. Uh, Are they allowed to in a church service? We see Paul said, I don't allow a woman to teach or to usurp authority over men. So what what are men to do if they see women in the pulpit teaching? If I were you guys, I just get up and leave. Well, that's that's uh, uh, disrespectful to, to the house of God. 
Well, Paul gave the word of God as far as what women can do in church services. And so are we to argue against scripture? Are, are we to argue against what God allowed to be put, what God commanded, not allowed, but commanded to be in scripture? Uh, are, are we to just simply bypass uh, uh, the total counsel of God as far as women ministering in, in the church? Can women minister to other women? Absolutely. I don't have a problem with that. But as far as men participating in that, I'd get up and leave. And, and so that way I wouldn't be in violation of scripture. And, and, and so, again, you may have a problem with this. You may not have a problem with this. But if you're going to talk about uh, women in ministry, don't just p- uh, uh, pick scriptures that you want to use to condemn it without putting out the whole counsel of God, because it's very important that we begin to preach the whole counsel of God in in this subject and other subjects as well, as best as possible under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, because that's what's important. We want to deal with the full counsel of God, not just a condemned script, uh, use condemning script, you use condemning thoughts with scripture and use it in a partial manner, because God is not a, a God of partiality. We need to embrace the entire uh, scripture with regard to this and find ourselves walking in line with the scriptures. But as far as uh, women pastors are concerned, we just don't see any qualifications that Paul uh, uh, put out in in 1 Timothy chapter 2 as far as women pastoring churches. We just don't see them being apostles. We don't don't see them being prophets. We don't see them being pastors, uh, evangelists, pastors, or teachers. We just don't see it. What we do see, however, is that they are allowed to prophesy. We see that in the book of Acts chapter 21. We saw that already in scripture. We also see in the book of Acts chapter two that God will pour out a spirit upon the men servants and the maid servants. And so we have to understand the limitations. The limitations isn't about masculine dominance. It is about what God commanded in scripture. And that's what we have to differentiate. That's what we have to distinguish. What did God say in the scriptures and what is allowed in the scriptures? And and so if we study this carefully and we come to the conclusion of, of where people can minister, the body of Christ can be much more effective. This is the Minister's Crucible. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening.